Uh, yeah, yeah. so I'm saving up some days. Because we're going to Disney in January. Cool. That's your first time. Yeah, it's my first time to the good old Disney World. Prop, propping that Disney cherry. Yeah, propping <laughs> it up. Prop it. There's prop, a giant shiny cherry that has Walt Disney's head inside uh, of it. I like little mishaps that make it clean. Yeah, what is that? It's not a spoonerism. Spoonerism is when you, you know, I don't yeah. know what it is, like a malphorism? Malapropism? Malapropism? Oh no, my nose feels hot. That I'm means I'm getting whining. Is that the fire? I don't know if fire can whine. Do you hear whining? A little bit. But what else is new on this podcast? But, uh- Zero credits. What do you call a bulletproof Irishman? Rick O'Shea. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. It's been a long time since we had a joke. My name's John. And together, we've got all the jokes because this here is election night. Yes, the funniest night of the year. And you're going to hear this... Four days after election night passes and maybe we'll be in a joking mood or maybe we're going to wish we lived in the joke. Uh, yes, in four days from now, you will officially be living in the result of your action or inaction, sitting in your words and deeds. I've got a weird blank spot in my memory. Did I say that this is zero credits to the show where we talk about things? You just did. All right. Well, maybe I said it twice. We'll hear it. We'll hear it when we edit. Oh, I'm, uh, John, it's been a while since we've had one of these here normal episodes. It's been, uh, it's been an entire period of time that I've blanked entirely from my memory. Like, I remembered we talked about Spider-Man, and then I looked over to you, and then a darkness fell upon our house, and now we're here. Exactly. And don't forget the eight weeks before that, where we covered every goddamn Fast and the Furious movie. It's been a hell of a year, but we haven't really talked about where the zeitgeist is at in a very long time. And that brings us to a weird disclaimer that we're about to give. Yes. Because the zeitgeist, I don't know if you've checked social media, uh, news aggregate sites, television commercials, newspapers, newspapers, radio ads, mm-hmm. skywriting, Skyrim by Bethesda. <laughs> it's really, it's really weird where they took that. But. The zeitgeist is singing out in unison one stupid message. Politics. Yes. You can't escape it. You can't avoid it. All your favorite stars on their Instagrams accounts, they're wearing little stickers that say I voted. Yeah, it's uh it's amazing to me the serendipity of this because we had uh a a long form uh review of the Fast and the Furious franchise largely to distract us from politics because they had grown frankly too depressing uh and in an attempt to remain apolitical we launched into watching a bunch of movies about people who steal cars at Arbald uh but now after that we have awoken on this most hallowed of nights 
the knights or the veil is pierced and apoliticalness can be cast aside because it's the only goddamn thing there is to talk about. It's true, and I think a precedent has been set in the past. I believe the previous big election night, uh, we did talk about politics because there's no way around it. Yeah, it's the most important thing. It pervades our every moment. Yes. (laughs) Positively. That's why we're going to kick this podcast off with a little... A little sound that you may remember. It's it's been it's been a while. It's been a while since the Fast and the Furious supplemental reading deluge, but here we go. That's right, listeners. Corona No, I'm kidding, it's not Corona, because Corona's awful. No, it's what is this? Founders Breakfast Stout. Breakfast Stout, double chocolate, coffee oatmeal stout, and it sounds like this. Oh, nice. And it sounds like this. That was uh, one of the worst beer openings I've ever seen. I'm not a professional, John. I am an amateur. Uh, But yes, on election night, uh, due to the circumstances, we've decided to drink. It's very warm. (laughs) Yeah, it was not cool. Uh, When I went to HEB to go buy beer, they didn't have any beer that I thought fit the occasion... In the cold place? Yeah. Uh, so I got it warm, but when it's warm, it has more flavor. Here's the thing about beer, John. It was meant to be drunk warm. Says the Europeans who I don't trust. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, don't trust the Europeans. Uh, but, uh, considering it's election night, uh, one thing that I did want to say, uh, first of all, is we are sitting right here, uh, deep, deep in the heart of Texas. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, the deepest heart of Texas because it is the state's capital. Austin. Austin, Austin. That's what you mean. We live in Austin, which isn't yet deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, you can't get deeper into a state than its capital. Uh, and I believe that Austin represents a Texas that should be, not a Texas that is. Well, it's funny because I don't know if you've ever come across, like, maps that show how certain places voted in certain elections... But what I have come to find is that every major metropolitan center in the city of Texas, we're talking Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, those are the big cities. Lubbock, no. Denton. Nah. Uh, <laughs> but all of those, these... New these, Braunfels. No. All of these major urban centers are blue. Yeah. A little... I like to think of it like little blueberries floating in tomato bisque. Yeah, and by blue, of course, I mean democratic. Yes. And we live in a sea of red, which is red publican. <laughs> yes. We have blemocrats and red publicans. How did we decide on these colors? I don't know. Who knows? If someone's red, blue, colorblind, is there such a thing as red? Because there's no. red, green... There's red-green, you can have problems with blue, but that's rare. Okay. Maybe you can't be red-green colorblind because they're perfectly contrasting. Well, those are the genetic versions of oh. colorblindness. If you have brain damage oh. or cornea damage, mm-hmm. it's a fucking gamble. You yeah, know? you don't it, know what you'll see. It's not dictated by yeah. the laws of nature. You might see nothing but dogs. <laughs> and dogs <laughs> see nothing but you. <laughs> yes. Man, what a horrible curse. Uh, but we live deep in the heart of Texas. And, clap, uh, clap, clap. And we, like many metropolitan centers in Texas, and I believe almost every metropolitan center 
uh, in every state in the country, votes blue. Yeah, the entire country of Texas. Now, Austin is very, very up for voting this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, the young person vote for this year, in early voting at the very least, not on election day, is up 500%. We read the same headline. Uh, it's up 500%. Early voting is up. Texas is very excited to vote and largely due to, uh, not one person. I do believe we are, we are largely incentivized because we've had some of the most, uh, visible, horrible, uh, daily, uh, inconveniencing and, and horrifying politics for the last two years that anyone's had. Uh, so every day you're exposed to this and politics is much more of a spectator sport over the last two years than it has been over the previous four. So people are very energized to vote. There's something very interesting about the Texas state legislator legislation of which some of the votes up were about. Uh, the Texas state legislation only meets every two years. They are a part-time legislature. Yeah. Yeah. And so, weird. And so local elections like this, the, like these midterms, are some of the only times where people can actually affect what they do. Yeah, uh, Texas is a state that holds very dearly to the fact that cities within it, and in fact Texas itself, can govern itself with a relative amount of autonomy. And having a part-time leg legislature means that in these midterm elections, you are choosing the people who will, in a very short period of time, very rarely be choosing everything for the next two years. Yep. Uh, so these midterm elections absolutely matter. This is, it's pretty huge. And it could be easy to go, oh, I'm gonna vote straight ticket because of all the things happening on the national stage. Might not be for the best. If that's what you wanna do, you do you. But maybe for the state of Texas, it bears a little more reading into the issues. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and this is just my personal bias poking through, which is gonna happen a lot. Uh, I think that if you, uh, can't do the research on every candidate and proposition, which is fine, uh, vote straight ticket Democrat, uh, which is the best thing you can do. Uh, now granted, I know that there's some real shit show Democrats out there. There are a lot of people, uh, parading as liberal Democrats, but as you and I both know, there are a bunch of liberal Democrats who are no better than, if not worse than their Republican counterparts. I mean, let's be frank, John. There are monsters on both sides because both sides contain humans. And humans are greedy filth monsters that just want more gold coins in their coffers. Yeah, just because you're voting blue doesn't mean that you're voting for a leftist who has your best intents, your best intentions for you. Uh, so you could be voting for just a, a garbage person. You could be voting basically Republican or conservative either way. Yeah, and, and until they include on the ballot an option to wipe out both parties and start over from scratch, you gotta make the best decision for you. So vote the way you want to vote, but also just vote blue. Yeah, uh, vote, ride the wave, vote blue, kill the dinosaurs. If I, if I was able to vote, yeah. I would have done that. Now here's a, a funny little story, John. You weren't able to vote today. I was not able to vote, and I'm very angry. Uh, I'm very, very angry, because, and I'd like to set this out for you in, in pretty specific terms that I've had some time to think about between, uh, skinning rats to pay cowboy rent and doing the dishes because I took the day off. Uh, so... Wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh-huh. 
You took the day off today. I took the day off today to vote. To vote, yes. And you were unable to vote, yes. Walk me through this. uh, So I was unable to vote, and my thinking was I could uh, let my manager know that I was unable to vote, and then be able to work. Because honestly, on election days, 2016, 2014, 2012, basically, as long as I've been able to vote since 2008, which was the first big election I voted in, uh, election days make me a ball of nerves. I'm very nervous on election day because it means a lot. Politics does mean a lot to me. Uh, not politics in the way that it's like a reality show, but like the actual politics that govern our day-to-day lives. Uh, so all day today I've been a weird ball of nerves, very nervous, so I was hoping I could at least go into work. Uh, and my manager told me that they could not do that, they could not change it same day, and I should just enjoy my day off. Which is an impossible statement to make to me today. <laughs> But why were you unable to vote? I was unable to vote because uh, the... And I feel really bad about this. I got a letter in the mail saying that my application was not complete. I received this a day before I was supposed to vote. So so let's start there. You filled out an application to register yourself to vote. Yes, I registered an what? application in the state of Texas, which to process those applications, you must be deputized. Texas is a ludicrously difficult state to vote in. When did you fill out this form? I filled out this form one month ago. A month ago? Yes. And they wait. You get a letter in the mail I, the day before I, election day that tells you you're not able to vote. It's fucked up because I received the letter... Yesterday, it was postmarked November 5th, but it has to have been sent out earlier than that. Uh, so the day before election day, I get something telling me I'm unable to vote. Now, for those of you who don't live in the state of Texas, uh, there was a period of early voting that started on October 22nd and ran all the way to November 2nd. And so during any of that time, you could have voted. I could not have, interestingly enough. Because since my application was rejected for being incomplete, and the reason it's incomplete makes me mad for a different reason, but it's a complicated reason. Because my application was incomplete, I never ended up, and because I don't have a driver's license here, I never ended up on the list of the voters in this county who are registered. If I, and I talked to a friend of mine who works at a non-profit organization that gets people to vote, and I won't name names... Uh, but I was like, hey, is there any way that I can vote today? And she said, unless you're somehow on the list of registered voters, not even a uh, reasonable impediment declaration, which is the easiest way to get to vote, would help you. And this all stems because from a policy in Texas, and I made the joke to you earlier, if you don't have a Texas driver's license in the state of Texas, you do not exist. Yes. It's a Texas driver's license, for some reason, is the end-all be-all when it comes to identification, U.S. citizenship, like all these other boxes that everyone wants to check. Yes. When it comes to elections, which are sacred and guarded by a fleet of retired women. Yes, true. And in the state of Texas, every election is guarded and and, and helped and... and Executed by a fleet of retired women. You have to join a a demi-political convent so obscure to get someone to vote in the state of Texas. It's insane. The person who registered me to vote uh, was at my improv theater. And she went through all the trouble of getting 
allowed to register to people to vote. Which, like I said, you actually have to be deputized. By a sheriff? By a sheriff. A Texas sheriff? The sheriff of the county must deputize you to make you able to register people to vote. Can you arrest a person? Maybe. Uh, but she was processing a lot of applications, and my application for one of the parts that that person completed was incomplete. And I'm... So this is on somebody else. I'm fully willing to admit that it's on me. I, But it is... I don't know. For the part that was incomplete, it was something that I do believe someone else filled out. But I also, for the good work that person was doing, I in no way want to blame them. So here's what you do for next time. Yes. One, in the state of Texas, within 90 days of moving here, you're supposed to get a Texas driver's license. And I didn't do it either. That's the reasonable uh, impediment declaration. Yeah, I didn't do it either. When you get that Texas driver's license and you have to prove American citizenship... Texas residency, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Mm -hmm. But during that process, your local Department of Public Safety officer will ask you, do you also want to register to vote? Thanks, REM. The band? Yeah, Motor Voter. What? Motor Voter. The idea that you're automatically allowed to register to vote through through the DMV was an act in, I believe, the 80s or 90s that REM... The band. Yeah. REM was a big proponent of Motor Voter, and their big reason Motor Voter got passed. Did they write a song about it? It's a whole thing. I'll send you a link. But yeah, so they will ask, you say yay or nay, Mm -hmm. and then the state takes care of it. Yeah, that is what I should have done. I should have done the driver's license because it would have killed two birds with one stone. I just didn't feel like it. So there's definitely some on me. Here's something else that they don't tell you. You go online. I forget the website. But Texas Department of Public Safety, you can get in line. Oh, that's so good. Online, like on their website. For the DMV? Or for voting? No, no, no. There is no DMV in Texas. Okay. The Department of Public Safety. Okay. Is the one who issues your driver's license. The DPS. Yes. Damage per second. Damage per second. And so you can get in line with them on their website. And then when they all say you, you know... You're up in like 15 minutes, and then you go and show up and basically just walk up to. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I learned that you can uh, get your vehicle registered in much the same way. Now, for your. Get this. For your license plate? You have to go to your local tax adjust, uh, tax authority office. Yeah, I had to do that, but you can check it online there too. Oh, cool. I haven't done that yet, because. Fuck the two-plate system. Yeah, it's real dumb. Uh, but, no, I was not able to register to vote, so I have a lot of anger. But one of the reasons why I brought up the fact that Texas is very up for voting right now is that we have one of the most uh, contentious and, to be honest with you, least important uh, senator ship races mj hager oh no sorry uh we have uh it's very not important how is this not important it no it's very important what are you saying it's very important what do you okay. mean beto o'rourke versus ted cruz who beto o'rourke versus rafael cruz uh and that is the the what do you call a senate 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 race senate race senatorial race senatorial race sure uh, but it's, it's very not a gubernatorial race. It's, it's a very, very important. What do you call a victory? That's like in, like a. What are you God, saying? 
Like a victory that's more important as a symbol than it is an actual fact. As an actual fact. It's not a period. Symbolic victory. victory. Yes. Yeah. I I think that the Beto O'Rourke thing is much more of a symbolic victory for the left than it is an actual victory. Because there are certain states that matter a lot more that are a lot closer. Like Georgia. Okay. There, there are states where it matters a lot more to get someone in there. No matter what, it's important to get people on the left into seats. We want to pack the house. It's the weirdest thing, observing the uh, political landscape of the nation. Ted Cruz, for all of the hate he gets from everyone, both sides, including our president, mm-hmm. he's never actually done anything wrong. He's never done anything wrong. He just is a purveyor of and percolator to the most horrendous draconian thought in human history. Yeah, I mean, his his ideals, like, he's the ideal Republican candidate to hate. Yeah. Not because of his actions, but because of his beliefs. And you can absolutely disagree with people's beliefs and their ideologies and vote against him for that. It's yeah. not as though... We're voting against a pedophile mm-hmm. or like a child abuser or uh, like he doesn't have the scandals around him. Like maybe what's happening in Georgia. Yeah. Is that what's happening in Georgia? Uh, there's there's someone who's up. For, there's a there's someone on the left who's up for a seat in some state who is a creep. Is that Arkansas? I maybe. read something about Arkansas. Someone's a genuine creep. There are creeps on both sides. But vote for the creep. Don't. No, don't. What? What's wrong? Tennessee. Is that it? Is it Tennessee? It might be. I don't remember. I don't know. Look, politics are dumb, and there's way too many of them. I can only focus on my state. Let's focus on Texas. Beto O'Rourke. Why is he good? Uh, Beto O'Rourke is good because he's on the left and he's not Ted Cruz. Let me tell you something. Let's back up. We can break that down to an even simpler reason. Why is Beto good? Uh, Because he's on the left. No. Oh. Because he's not Ted Cruz. Exactly. Now, let me tell you something. Beto O'Rourke is someone who... Uh, has a lot of teeth. He has a lot of teeth. He's a tall, tall boy. Uh, he's got a fantastic skeleton. I thought he was short. Oh, Beto's tall. Beto's six feet plus. Oh, that... Here it goes. The, <laughs> the heightest oh, agenda. No, absolutely. Is it a coincidence, John, that you're six plus feet, I'm guessing... Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I've, I am. I've never, we've never am. discussed your height because I feel like that's just not something that, that I'm interested you, in. You, you only do isn't that for people it, in the public eye. Isn't it interesting that you are six plus feet and Beto O'Rourke is plus six feet? He's like six two. Are you pushing an agenda on our wholesome family podcast that, that whole families gather around the radio to listen to? Are you gonna... You're attacking the small folk, aren't you? Oh, you mean the smalls? Uh, uh, no, I'm not attacking the smalls. Uh, and I'm not willing to entertain that bit. Uh, but they will be destroyed. They will be destroyed. Uh, all of them. You're continuing the bit by saying... (laughs) Yes. Uh, but listen. Beto O'Rourke's policies to me don't matter much because he seems to be a well-reasoned person with a, a tremendous work this ethic. This is where it gets dangerous. You can't say a politician that you wanted to vote for's policies don't matter much. 
No, I mean, they absolutely matter in that he's a well-reasoned person who does believe in the things that I believe in. It's just that he doesn't believe in them exceptionally strongly. He's not, uh, like, a super left leftist. He's like a moderist. Yeah, he's relatively moderate, semi-centrist. Uh, but he does believe in genuinely good things that I believe push the politics of the country and Texas forward. He, Ted Cruz, however, sucks. He's a monster. Ted Cruz wants to deport 20 million people. Ted Cruz would turn this country into a smoking wreck if he could. And Ted Cruz, in addition to all of the horrible things he believes, is the worst thing a politician can be, which is he is willing to, at the drop of a hat, snivel and grovel and toe the line. He's a spineless blobfish. He's a disgusting little eel. I hate Ted Cruz. I hate Ted Cruz and his stupid backwards ideas and his tiny teeth and his tiny mouth and his tiny short body. Our metrics are just dropping rapidly. It turns <laughs> out all of our listeners, and I mean all of them, we're Ted Cruz. You know, that's really a shame. That's really a shame. Uh, every single one of them was just him. Yeah. Uh, he's weeping. Well, because... He wants to finish the episode because he can't leave it as a partial in his podcast app. Well, it's because he's a hive mind, you understand? Yes. <laughs> it's like Quantum Leap, only it happens in real time. Man. Oh my god, what a Quantum Leap episode that would be. <laughs> where he is, Ted Cruz. Where he... It would almost be as bad as the one where he was a KKK member. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> oh boy. At least KKK members keep their damage on the small scale. And that they only target specific individuals in their community? No, I mean, they have limited power. They're not taken seriously. Whereas a real monster like Ted Cruz can really fuck over millions of people if you give him enough power. I know, I, there's something I want to talk about, and I don't want to detract from your very impassionate statement. Yes. Is impassionate a word? Impassioned? Your very passionate statement. Very passionate About Ted Ten, ten, ten cruise. Look, let's take ten cruises. How many beers are in this one beer? I don't know. There's nine percent alcohol. That's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And they only sell it on a four pack. What? And you might know because I feel like you keep up with little current events in the politician world, and I just troll on Reddit for Sma- Super Smash Bros memes. Yeah. I think I think the carryover of like actual political knowledge of those things one to one. By the way. What is the deal? Have you ever seen those sweet Smash Bros memes of Lucario talking about Medicare for All? You just came up with that? Yes. Oh my god. It's pretty sweet. It's so fast. His brain is <laughs> off the charts. That's what people say of Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh my god. His brain is so fast. What is the deal, John? And please enlighten me in full detail with this caravan. What the? F- what is this caravan? Uh, what the migrant caravan? Let me tell you. No, the other caravan. <laughs> uh, the migrant caravan. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is. I'm gonna give you a simulation of American politics. I'm gonna spin you two tales. A tale of two cities. One of which is the truth, and was... one of which. Is a cleverly veiled illusion. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So let me tell you about the caravan. We had everything before us. And you have to, uh, riddle-like, figure out which one is the truth. That's not a riddle. We had nothing before (laughs) us. Uh, so let me tell you version A of the migrant caravan. So what's gonna, what's, what's about to happen? You're gonna give me two tales back to back. 
Two tales back to back. One is truth. One is fiction. All right. Fact or fiction, believe it or not. And you're going to mix it up. I won't know which one is which. I mean, I'm not going to say this one is true. Yeah, this that's what I mean. You're lot. not going to label yeah. them. It's up to no. me. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to like intermingle them. This isn't like... I, I understand. So the first one. Uh, the Migrant Caravan, as it has been called, is a couple thousand, maybe like 10,000 strong, uh, moving migratory caravan of, I believe, various, uh, I believe, middle North, North American countries, because North America includes like Mexico and so forth. Uh, it just includes Mexico. Okay. It, if you go Central America, that's a different group okay maybe include some central america but it's people fleeing governments economies and just political situations that they find intolerable or unsurvivable uninhabitable uh so there is a uh caravan of people who have uh, bonded together slowly over time caravans grow uh so it's a few thousand maybe ten thousand strong going north maybe to america uh and eventually this caravan may uh, reach the American border. Some will get in, some won't. In all likelihood, they're probably going to disperse among cities that are around the border. Some will get in, some won't. The whole process could take years. These people uh, so badly want to escape their governments and their economies and just a way of life that is completely in- uninhabitable to them. Uh, they're giving birth on the roads. Some are dying. Uh, there, there's famine and disease, but they are leaving these countries in hope of finding something better. Okay. That's version one. All right. Version two. Have you, uh, have you ever seen Dawn of the Dead? No. Okay. Have you ever... Is that the George Romero? Yes. Or, or the remake. Uh, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen Black Hawk Down? No. Have you ever seen third? 23 days, 28 days later. I've seen clips. Okay. Uh, so. I get what you're building. So basically imagine a bunch of like fast running, uh, brainless zombies who are members of MS-13. Uh, everywhere they go, uh, they, they run into various, uh, hamlets and they pluck the Christians out and they slice their carotid arteries and then they drink their blood and eat their flesh. Uh, they give birth on the road to, uh, literal hellhounds, uh, and the devil is building his army of, uh, MS-13 communists who will storm the border wall. Uh, they will take the lives of dozens, if not millions, of well-meaning Minutemen and, and Border Patrol patriots. They will, uh, dismantle the American border, and they will turn the United States, uh, into the United States of Mexico. One of these is true, and one of these is a myth. Let's go at the second option. Wait, for, wi- for which? <laughs> for things that want to happen. Uh, yes, that one <laughs> is absolutely what I want to happen. Imagine the food. The first one is much more sad. The cooking just goes right up. It, it does. The flavors, the spices. It, immediately, everyone in America knows that tortillas should be served warm. And that probably corn tortillas are better than flour tortillas. Yeah. I like a, I like a good flour tortilla. I do too, even though it's not the traditional way. It depends on what I'm eating. Like a fish taco, flour. I've never had a fish taco. Like a regular taco, I mean I haven't eaten fish in years. You haven't. An imitation fish taco. Yeah. I don't have a leg to stand on. Uh, alright, so here, here, here's something that I want to, so obviously, of those two tales, one of those is being spun 
to dissuade a base amount of people. Did I take the thing? To dissuade a certain populace that this migrant caravan is a bad thing. Yes. And the other tale is sort of just what's happening. Yeah. The the migrant caravan is a... uh, a, a slipshod group of human beings just trying to survive and find better things. And I want to pause it, and I know this has been done to death, but there is an inscription on a certain statue that says something to the tune of... That was way louder than I intended it to be. My apologies. <laughs> that says something to the tune of, give me your tired, your poor, your sick... Your huddled masses. Your huddled masses. Yes. And we will accept them with open arms. Something to that tune. Yes. And if this nation, mm-hmm. this nation of freedom, cannot accept a caravan of people willing to migrate within the confines of the draconian bureaucracy that we have set up, if we're just going to turn legal... To use a horrible term, legal people away, then haven't we lost our way as a nation? Uh, I think the migrant caravan is one of the best... It's one of the best versions of what America has become, in that we have so thoroughly disregarded our history, our ethos as a people, that we are willing to... And uh, for, for what it's worth, I would like to... Read to you. Uh, the New Colossus reads as such, verbatim, Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door, except I will send, like, ten thousand people to shoot you if you try to enter my country. Is this McSweeney's? <laughs> this is not McSweeney's. Uh, yes, that is, uh, the new Colossus. The new New Colossus. The new, the post-New Colossus. Of the 21st century. Uh, if you're poor and you want to come to America... Fuck you. You know what's crazy? What? If you don't like America, if you don't like your government, leave it. But if you don't like your government in some other country, you better stay there and die. There's such a weird paradoxical nature of popular politics where we are the land of the free, but only for the people that are born here. Yes, Uh, I believe that politics right now, and this is something I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a little while, but I just remembered, uh, remember early on in the days of the podcast, we were talking about something that was relatively new, uh, like this millennial death drive attraction to nihilism. Yes, the, 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 the tendency for millennial, just people who are of our generation, we make jokes about let's let's die you know finally death will be our sweet release yes and i i believe that to some extent i think that that is uh really attracted attractive to latter day millennials and gen z's i mean it's our generation got hit by it but the oldest millennials are pretty millennials are kind of a spectrum of how interested they are in certain parts of culture it's even spilling into kind of like gen z a little bit 
I think Gen Z is is appropriate, not appropriate. I think that they're adopting it way more than millennials have. Yeah, they're using it at an alarming rate of like I I see memes of like not memes, I jokes yeah. where people are like I run a laser tag thing and I said if you break the rules, we're going to have to shoot you on sight and a group of Gen Zers go, "Yay!" Yeah, it it's insane. It's great. But the thing about it is I think that in modern politics, and we're seeing this in current, we saw this in 2016, we're seeing it right now. I believe that talking about this attachment to nihilism is fairly detached because the actual nihilism that exists at the world stage for people who vote a certain way is so all-consuming and real that what late stage millennials and Gen Z people can't even touch. Yeah. Because there is a genuine, genuine hateful kind of nihilism that people who would vote for a Donald Trump or a Ted Cruz actually believe in. They, they believe that nothing matters and the only reason they make decisions is in spite and to at the most charitable allow their enemies to die and at the most uh, the most malign cause their enemies to die. It is a horrifying vision of the future. It happened in 2016 where people voluntarily took hours at effort outside of the people who for any reason believe that Donald Trump was like a genuinely good, upstanding, triumphant human being, great American small business owner. They are in the minority. I believe that people genuinely voted for him and will allow to stand legislation that is monstrous just because they want to hurt people because nothing matters to them. There is a group of people on the internet who believe in what they dub meme magic. And they genuinely believe that they memed their way into electing Donald Trump president. And this group of people who frequent boards such as 4chan and maybe even the Donald on Reddit, I can't claim to have checked, they're gearing up again for this midterm election with their let's defeat the other side. To them, it is an us versus them. Yeah. And it may be very well motivated by your nothing matters, so let's tear down the walls Let's hurt people because it it's not us. If we are on the winning side, we are not in the line of fire. Yeah, I, I think that I think that that's absolutely a contingent of it. Some of them uh, are closer to home than that. Some of them are our parents or our uncles or immediate family members for whom uh, their position in society has degraded to them perceptibly so significantly that they will enact policies that hurt people every day. Like, we can talk about, like, high-level politics or, or what it means to, like, have a political enemy, which is a very real thing that more people are having to start to reckon with, what it means to be so ideologically opposed to someone that you would allow them to die if anything were to happen. Uh, but we are genuinely at a point with people who are very close to us where we can see that they've become so disaffected that they can vote for something that hurts us, that hurts well-meaning people. Like, we are dangerously close to a place where politics has become so polarized that there's 
bad guys. There's genuine bad people, and people are excited to vote for bad guys. Everyone loves rooting for the villain. Yeah, everyone loves rooting. When the villain is Deadpool. Yes, the anti-hero. The anti-hero. Yeah. And you can, you can twist your, your mental gymnastics into thinking, oh, and that, that's exactly what happened with Donald Trump. He's not a politician. He's the anti-hero. He's gonna drain the swamp. He won't uh, uphold the establishment of corporations and because he's not like them. He's the outsider. He's the outlaw. He's the guy and fistful of dollars that comes into the town and says, I'm going to solve your problems for both sides and makes a lot of money. Yeah. But it turned out that's not him at all. It's, it's not the, the greatest, not, not greatest in a good way, but the most meaningful thing that happened in the 2016 election is Donald Trump was, Elected and Donald Trump was, to the surprise of people who voted for him largely, a venal, vain, mush-brained moron. Yes. Donald Trump is a very, and I mean this genuinely, very stupid, but largely harmless person. Because I believe that if Donald Trump was any manager of, like, an urban outfitters or an outback steakhouse, he would be like any other of these hopelessly stupid small business owners and managers in America, and he'd be whatever. But because he was elected to office, he surrounds himself with, and the American people have allowed to uh, foment within government, awful psychopaths who want to ruin our way of life. I mean, at this point, is it like a, a high score thing? Like, do they want to see how much damage they can cause oh that's what politics is absolutely about at this point this is the reason why the way of the blue wave exists which god i hope it happens uh it's something that exists because every side wants to do everything they can in the limited amount of time that they have the only difference is one side not for the most part but in part has a genuine interest in the well-being of society and that is actually exists on both sides of of the aisle is that some people genuinely have a relatively even-handed and well-intentioned plan for the world and America. But there is another side that is in power right now and stands largely unopposed unless we get a lot of different people in there that want literally, as you said, to do as much damage as possible. They want to overturn Roe v. Wade. They want to make discrimination against certain ethnic groups legal. They want to continue and expand the operation of literal child concentration camps. We are living in bad guy territory right now in a way that we haven't in decades. And this may explain one of the uh, choices in the, the final season of the American version of House of Cards that introduced a new character by the name of Something Something Shepherd, in which he, in odd scenes, the writing was abysmal. Have you seen the last season? Apparently it's horrible. I watched all of it in one day, in one sitting, but this new character by Something Something Shepherd, I forget his, Bill. Bill maybe. Shepherd? Bill Shepherd. He, at random times, ruminates on how he's waited for years to bring America back to greatness and oh. and ruminates on how how liberals are destroying what made this country great and he goes on tirades like 
You know what rank, you know, where we rank in the world? 17th. And you have to step back and think, sure, that these people actually exist. And they say, like, make America great again. It's, there's a reason why that slogan was so popular. But the reason why we're 17th is because of things like we don't have universal health care. Yeah. We don't have good safety nets for people who take risks and they lose everything because the market is volatile. Yeah. We, we, we don't have just basic human rights of, like, the things that should be ubiquitous to all people, mm-hmm. like water, clean water, food, healthy food, shelter from the environment, and at this point, internet, because you try existing one goddamn week without access to the internet and tell me how it goes. Yeah. There are people who don't want to give anything to anyone. The free internet on the subways in South Korea is three times faster than the fastest, uh, like, gigabit internet you can get in America. And we've allowed, in the sake of capitalism, we've allowed just these cable providers and these internet providers to carve out monopolies and regions with no competition other than satellite, which isn't much better. What I'm trying to get at is anyone who identifies as a capitalist is an enemy to humans. Uh, absolutely. I think that, and this is something that isn't, uh, it's not helpful to the discourse that we're promoting, which is we're talking about midterm elections, which are largely local. I'm sorry, I got on a no, no, no. very personal rant. I hate capitalism. No, uh, capitalism is is uh, a ludicrous system that's uh, hopefully bound to fail. We should get an economist on this podcast, because I feel like I live in an, ex- <laughs> an echo chamber of just the two of us. Uh, I need someone to defend capitalism. Yeah, that would be great, uh, but I would not trust them. However, I, I think that America, for, uh, I was going to say for all of its faults, but say for all of its faults, it generally means you're about to say something positive. Uh, America, one of its chief faults uh, is that America is a country built chiefly on uh, ideology, uh, and uh, what do you call, like, ideological symbols... Like a scarab and a cowboy boot. Hieroglyphics. Yes. No. It, it's just based on images and symbols and not necessarily like anything that would keep anyone's best interests at heart. So America, for the most part, will eschew the best interests of its people to uphold its uh, imagined ideals of I'm a rough, tough cowboy just making it on my own. I sold these horses for five dollars or whatever. We we have a tendency to believe that uh, America has this like stick to itiveness and haul yourself up by your bootstraps, and it it all serves to elevate. And propagate a wholly capitalist myth of how we should be living our lives. And we're right now living in a stage of capitalism where everyone is feeling the pain of it. Yeah, I mean, it's the... Except Ameri- the absolute richest people. The 1%. The three people who own half the wealth in the country. Yeah. It's the American dream. It's it's what this nation was built on to a degree. If you work hard enough, you too can become a millionaire. Yeah. But the only actual movement, monetary or class movement, comes in business owners who sacrifice their entire lives to just run one business, or the people who are lucky enough to win lotteries, 
of which a majority end up murdered. And all of that comes down to a very key uh, psychological fallacy that exists in every human being. And it is the, the greatest, most important psychological fallacy to continue the existence of the super rich. And that's a survivorship bias. Yes. The idea that you see someone who made it. You see your Jeff Bezos's, your Donald Trump's, your... Elon uh, fucking Musk. Your Elon Musk. You see people who have attained a level of wealth that is so unimaginable to you, but we live in a society, American society, and every society, if they allow this to grow and check, we are largely aspirational. We just want more and more and more wealth. And when we see people who have attained a level of wealth that's so unimaginable to us, it's the only thing that we could possibly want, we say, we, too, can be like them. Everyone else did not work hard enough to earn that. And everything that Jeff Bezos has, everything that Elon Musk has, everything that Bill Gates and Michael Eisner and all these assholes have, it's something that I could get if I worked harder than all these schmoes. The awful, honest truth of it is everyone works pretty much just as hard as everyone else. And the idea that you could get as much money as those people is insane. If you believe that you can get as much money as Jeff Bezos, you're delusional. We are using a survivorship bias, something baked into us to tell us that we're exceptional, that we can be like them, and it's allowing us to step on the people around us, not support affordable housing, not support a living wage for people, because we think that if we can work harder, we can get above these people. It's pure crab bucket. Yeah. It's... The, ludicrous the top the top crabs get eaten but if you work hard enough to dig to the bottom you're safe am i getting this right i think the crab bucket is as people start to go up you drag them back down but even the crab bucket oh, analogy which i like gotcha. is kind of pro-capitalist because it's because it's not saying that the community is stronger. It's saying the community drags you back down. Not true. Everyone's part of their community. They just have different opportunities. I just want to watch crabs now. <laughs> Let's just watch that instead of the election. We've spent a lot of time talking about politics in like a top-level way. I had four things I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, have we only gotten to one of them? Not even one. Oh, All of them were apolitical in case we decided to be apolitical tonight. Uh, well, I've got one thing I wanted to talk about that was apolitical, but we can't, we have to wrap up. You have to, you have yeah. to put a bow on it. You have to end it. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's no coming back from how far we've gone. What is the ending? What, what is, what is the wrap up? Uh, the vote end. in your local elections, vote which your, hopefully you did. Which hopefully you did because this is after the fact. Yeah, this uh, is four days after. Genuinely, I believe what people should do. Uh, we don't even have time to talk about anything at this point. But No, we do. Genuinely, what you should do. We got 20 minutes. Genuinely, what you should do That's is... That's a whole episode of Friends. You should not... Oh, I'm talking like this is tonight. There's two options. Burn down the White House. No, there's, there's two options. And one option is the wave succeeds. Because if you're listening to this podcast at this point and you're a staunch right-winger... Congratulations, uh, but we're no longer talking to you. Uh, <laughs> option one. Ted Cruz is, he paused it. He, he paused it. He but he's still gonna, has to complete he's it. He's gotta finish but it. He definitely just paused it. <laughs> he paused it to go eat some cold crab meat out of his ice chest. Uh, he paused it to go catch another fish at the bottom of the ocean to feed his blobby body. He paused it to turn on the lamp at the top of his head to attract a sturgeon to take a bite out of. Uh, but there's two options. 
Uh, one, the option that I, I, I truly and firmly believe will occur, and I do not try to be uh, optimistic about anything politically, is that the blue wave succeeds. It's very tough in a midterm for the Democrats not to read, not to take something back. Because we will probably end up with a plurality of Democrats. I think the math breaks out to the Democrats need to win like five things. So cool. Blue Wave succeeds. If that happens, then don't rest on your laurels. It's still a really hard fight because we're still living within one of the hardest times politically within the last hundred years. If the Blue Wave succeeds, uh, keep in mind that some of the people that you elected might be monsters. There are a lot of liberals out there who have just as much disdain for your way of life and continued existence as the most staunch conservatives. Uh, continue to do your research and then vote accordingly in the next election. Option two, uh, which I like to call the Mad Max option, the Blue Wave uh, crashes on the shores of uh, Red Gallipoli or whatever and is... I don't even remember how the battles in Gallipoli went. But let's say the blue wave doesn't succeed. Everything stays red. We enter into an apocalyptic state. It's the bad ending of the video game. Uh, every character dies. But uh, continue to do the best you can. It's just at that point, doing the best you can may fall outside the realm of legality or democracy. Uh but continue to do so. Uh, weigh whether you're willing to take the risks to continue to uphold a system that you truly believe in or uh, don't. I just want to put in a, a small, tiny legal disclaimer. We are not advocating any illegal or illicit actions. We cannot say that we are promoting these actions because we can't. Yeah, no one wants to be tried for treason. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to do so. Yeah, I'm just saying if morally, weigh the risks. Morally, it's questionable. It's ultimately up to the individual. To even air that last statement. <laughs> I'm just saying it's ultimately up to the individual. We will maintain, um, we'll be highly, stop highly Stop saying that it's ultimately up to the individual. Everything is. Every No, you don't, see, here's the thing. I'm not the one who said we should bomb Congress. <laughs> We bleeped that, I thought. <laughs> we did. Here's the thing, John. And both of those episodes, it was up to me to edit. Here's the thing, John. Language. I don't know if you know this. I've studied language a year or two, or my entire life. It shapes the way we think. Yeah. And the way we think shapes our actions. We have to be so GD careful about what we're saying at this moment. Yeah. We have to be very careful about what we say, which is why, <laughs> ultimately, it's up to you. Just think about it. In Superman <laughs> versus Batman, yes. there is a moment. Yes. We did the, the Joker, thing. Where the Joker bombs. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying, one, uh, one scenario which is relatively unlikely, yet horrifying. Both scenarios are unlikely. What are you saying? No, I mean the scenario of the blue wave winning, which is we win four seats, we win four things, versus uh, the red it? wave. The red, there's no red wave. It's the red persistence. Yes, the red. Pers Nevertheless, she persisted. It's the red death. Uh, it is. It's the uh, red badge of courage. I'm just saying, if that's unlikely, so don't worry about it. So Robert, I'm just saying, if 
the Trevor best, Redford. The best thing that can happen is that people will Redwall take from this a a genuine desire to continue to exercise their civic duty because this is a time that we can see it work. Red Dead Redemption Two. Elect Andrew Gillum for Florida governor. I don't know anything about Florida. Uh, it's a hellscape. Are we in the fucking weeds right now? We're deep in the weeds. Can we really had a point, but the point is, keep an eye out. We had a, a point, but then we started drinking, and as always when we start drinking, we start ranting. And when we start ranting, we lose the plot. And the plot is, things are fucked. You know what my favorite thing to do in Red Dead Redemption 2, the video game that's not tied to American politics at all? Punch suffrages in the face? No. That's a thing that there's came a, out recently. There's a very real... Okay, there is women's temperance and, uh, no, the temperance movement was separate from women's suffrage, right? You know, the temperance movement was early 1900s. Women's suffrage, uh, there's people who are practicing women's suffrage, and there's a bunch of fucked up YouTube videos of people out there, like, blowing up a woman. It's like, haha, crazy feminist, a video game get owned. It's like... You're just blowing up someone who believes that women should vote, you fucking troglodyte. I know. If I could take every person who makes YouTube video games into the square and shit them, I would. Not true. Including Funhouse? We've technically made one. We played Champions of Ether. Including Funhouse, our favorite people? No, no. Our just a lot of them. Funhouse? Just a lot Shout of them. Shout out to Funhouse. Have us on our show. Anyway. Fly us out. Anyway. Because we can't afford it. Anyway. I don't know. I'm flying somewhere. John, let's fucking pivot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the final ten minutes we have left. I'm just saying, my favorite thing to do in a political video game, Red Dead Redemption, is there are KKK members and, like, slave owners, and you can just shoot them in the mouth. <laughs> it's great. Here's the real... Okay. Small statement about that. If a game was trying to make a political message, they would let you... Kill others and not others. From what I understand, you can't kill children. Yeah, fair. And those are the only protected people. I also want to make it horribly clear. Hold on. Yes. Sure, the people who are doing horrible YouTube things to suffragettes, that exists. But what what you just said, you can do the same thing to Klansmen. Yes. So everyone's fair game. Yes. So the, the game's not making any statement. Uh, no, I believe there's actually a couple times where the game... Uh, okay. I feel like the writers very much wanted to make a political statement. In fact, this isn't a spoiler. In one of the first missions in the game, someone is talking about how native land was taken from Native Americans in a uh, brutal, vicious fashion by uh, colonial Americans. And the game chooses to undercut that point. By having someone say that the person telling the story is like a con man and not to believe anything he says. The game is uh, AAA multi, what, tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a huge AAA franchise. It's the biggest entertainment. It, I thought you were going to say layers. That's at almost every it point, it refuses to take a stand. There is a point where your character does have a strong political stance, and that is against a literal slave trader. Okay. Uh, which is the weakest political stance to take. Because, so, of course, no, of one co- should, no one should be slaves, that's a given. You're allowed to make choices for the character of Arthur Morgan, and I choose to make him a, a bloodthirsty, mouth-shooting maniac. You and of, 99% of the other people who play. Of clansmen and slave owners. I back up my <laughs> statement. 
Yeah. If you want to repeat it unimpeded. No, that's totally fine. All right. Uh, but no, I, my Arthur Morgan, uh, is fine with shooting people directly in the mouth. If they if, are horrible people. If they're racist or slave owners or members of the clan. All right. Uh, but yes, the game does not make, uh, Someone I, buy this game for me so I don't have to give Rockstar money. Uh, don't give them money. For, for a game that big, if they're not willing to say even the most mil- milk toast thing politically, unlike the first game, which wore its politics kind of on its sleeve, uh, I think it's, it's dumb that they miss so many opportunities at the end of the 19th century when you could say the most about American politics. Isn't and the Civil War about to happen? The Civil War happened in the 1860s and this is in 1899. So it just ended. It ended like 30 years ago. You are actually, for a prolonged portion of the game, dealing with two families who are holdouts of the Confederate side of the Civil War. And some of that's interesting, but the game refuses to, to say anything on. about it because... Oh. Ugh, fucking like, people who won't make a stand. Well, um, can you blame them? What, for $10 million? I'd make a stand about fucking anything. For $10 million, I'd shoot in the mouth. No, I wouldn't. Shout out to... Yeah. I never watched any of his stuff. I've never seen a video. I I keep trying to pivot to something. Let's pivot right now. The darkness is spreading, John. More and more, as evident by how this podcast is gone, this one episode, more and more, we we need these, these shining beacons of hope. These, these grapes of good... Man, that's my favorite John Steinbeck novel. Grapes of Good. The sequel. Stop texting me, fiancé. It's crazy, though, because in the sequel, it's not like a sequel where time passes. It picks up right where the first one ended with the breastfeeding. Yeah, the barn. Yeah, it goes on for a chapter. It's really weird. Christ, anyone who gets that reference is sickened. (laughs) Everyone who finished The Grapes of Wrath, so everyone who graduated from high school. Never read it. Really? I read uh, Steinbeck. Yeah, Grapes of Wrath. Steinbeck. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of J.D. Salinger. Of Mice and Men? Of Mice and Men. That's the only Steinbeck I've read. And that was in college. Uh, let's pivot. <laughs> yes. Great Gatsby? No, that's Fitzgerald. What did Salinger write? Uh, Raise High the Roof Beams Carpenters. Who wrote Catcher in the Rye? Salinger. There we go. Also haven't read it. I read fucking Raise High the Roof Beams Carpenters. I'm just sick of these fucking phonies in Hollywood. God damn it, literature. You keep crawling back <laughs> into my life. A beam of hope that we can grasp firmly <laughs> by the sh- shaft. Yeah, we, we can raise high the roof beams. Rumors broke today of all days on this most auspicious of days. On Variety.com, it was an exclusive, John. And Brett Lang had the honor of delivering this delivering news. The news that shall deliver us from the dark times. Yes. Am I sounding like an old prophet? Because here is the book of good. Shrek is getting rebooted. Hold on. I just had very serious ideological whiplash because you said Shrek... And I was with you, and would have been with you up to any point except when you said rebooted. Shrek and Puss in Boots are getting rebooted, and Chris Mel- Melodandry. Sure. 
the man behind Despicable Me is overseeing their revival. This is... Universal Pictures has tasked Melodrini with finding some fresh storylines to reinduce, reintroduce the lovable ogre and the sword-wielding feline to new generations. No, I think reinduce was fine. <laughs> moviegoers. One thing the animation guru doesn't want to mess with is with the vocal performances. Part of the popularity of Shrek, you understand, John, is attributable... Man. Attributable. To a voice cast that included Mike Myers. Wow. Eddie Murphy. Wow. And Antonio Banderas. Wow. And in a lengthy profile... Wait, no love for... Cameron Diaz? No love for Cameron Diaz, nor the voice of... Oh, fuck. Who did the count? John Lithgow. John Lithgow was the prince of small guy. Farquaad? Yeah. Was an alien one? I don't know. I've only seen Shrek 1. Oh, that's the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have I missed out? And <laughs> 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 a lengthy profile in Variety... From which the article I'm reading is from, it referenced itself. Melodontry, I hope. Please pronounce it differently every time. Says he would like to get the band back together, John. Everyone again, excluding Cameron Diaz and John Lithgow. Yeah, get the whole band back together. Uh, man, that's gonna be a real tough feat to ask Mike Myers to sign back on. For a trillion, trillion dollars for the only fucking thing he's worked on for the last 20 years? Man, that must be a hard letter to write. And this... Oh, yeah, man, it's the hardest. And this news coming the same week where rumors are abuzz in the Hollywood world. I'm talking with all of my hands. As I do, being part French. This coming in the same week, John, as the rumors of a fourth Austin Powers movie. Great. Oh man, it's the revival. Remember the McConaughey's? This is the Mike Myerson's. And this article keeps going, my friend. When you look back on those vocal performances, they're awesome. And while you certainly could make a case for a complete renovation, I find myself responding to my own nostalgic feelings of wanting to go back to those Characterizations explains Melisandre. Oh, thank God that's a quote, not actually part of the fucking article. The challenge for us has been to find something that really f- does feel like it's not simply yet another film and a series of sequels. So, I posit to you, John, in these dark times of which we are a part of, not only is Sh- Shrek gonna be rebooted. But the person behind the rebutution Yes, please. Is looking for fresh storylines. This is not going to be a simple cash grab. This is going to be art in its highest form. <laughs> Original creation within an established universe. That is Shrek. There's a fourth one. I never saw I've got two thoughts. One, I'm really sad the days of the gritty reboot are behind us so that we cannot see 
the Shrek tales take on uh, Heart of Darkness. Like the, the, the chilling adventures of Shrek. <laughs> the chilling adventures of Shrek. They all worship Satan. Second thought, Shrek is legitimately a shit movie. Shrek, I hate Shrek. Shrek is a bad, borderline offensive movie. Uh, and the fact uh, that it's being redone by the dude mm, who gave us the 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 boomer jelly brain bl- plague of the minions. Man, I, I just want to buy a phone case that says, I love honoring our troops and the minions. Here's where we're gonna have to agree to disagree, <laughs> my friend. Are you a are you a fan of Shrek? I believe, in all honesty, you take a concept such as let's make a movie about fairy tales. Yeah, and you can get the original Shrek, or you could get Hoodwinked. I don't remember Hoodwinked. No one does, and there was a sequel to Hoodwinked called Hoodwinked Two with two O's. Uh huh. Was John Lithgow in that? Didn't John Lithgow just win an Oscar? I don't know. Or an Emmy for something? Uh, I think that, uh, I think that Shrek sure, I don't know, I don't even know what to shit. I very recently watched Shrek again in the form of a YouTube video wherever, where anyone says the and the film doubles in speed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to see it. Uh, but. Uh, I, I, I think that the story of Shrek is it, you know what? Let's not fucking legislate on Shrek today. As long as Shrek is being remade by the, the creative criminals who made Despicable Me one of the most garbage films in existence, whatever. Open quote. There's a tremendous amount of fun to be had in that world. And it's a high bar to find a story that's truly world, said Mussolini. <laughs> Wait, holy. Yes, yes, that does sound right. You want to find something in the narrative that really feels like a departure. Mm-hmm. Illumination's next film, The Grinch, opens in theaters on Friday. Uh, movies are dead. Movies are dead. Let me tell you about how I feel about this. I feel like the original Shrek and its vocal performances and a lot about it is actually offensive. And I am offended at the idea that they would give it to the people who made Despicable Me and Shrek and all these other fucking garbage movies. It's a shame. I'm sad for Shrek. And that's saying something. Yeah, because you didn't even like it. I didn't even like it. But what? What? One of the one of the greatest joys of my life, though, not to not advertise this on the podcast, is reading the sh- the comments rather on the Shrek Wikia. Very good. People are very interested in in Shrek. Shrek is one of the most popular icons of our time, John. Within our lifetime, he's he's really our. Uh, what's the name? Give me the name of one family in Romeo and Juliet. And it can't be the Capulets. God damn it! It's the Capulets. Okay, what's what? the other one? Uh, fuck you, dude. Uh, really, they're... Shrek is the Shakespeare Stop. of our time. Stop. Stop. It's in my fucking head. And I'm gonna pull it out of my goddamn head. Montagues. Montagues and the Capulets. God fucking damn it, I can't... Which one was Romeo? 
<laughs> anyway. Wait, hold on. It must be Ro- Romeo Montague, right? And Juliet Capel. Yeah, it's Ju- Juliet yeah, Capillaries. Juliet was a Capulet. Uh, but I was just go- going to say that Puss-, Fuck! Puss in Boots and Shrek are really the Montagues and the Capulets of modern society. What I was going to say. Their story will endure forever. Within our lifetime. And you were born, I'm going to say, 98. Sorry. I was born in 98. 1988. Untrue. 1987. Later. 1986. I was... I said later. I was, I was born in the year that the Berlin Wall fell. 1984? 1989. 1983? In our lifetime, mon frere. Yes. Shrek has been... Has gone from zero mm-hmm. to hero. He went from... I really don't like Shrek. This is our most contentious segment. And Shrek will rise again. <laughs> That's what they keep telling me. I I'm ride sure. around Mississippi, Alabama. People have those flags with Shrek's face on them. As They're sure like, as the sun will rise. <laughs> they say, keep honking, I'm Shreking. Shrek will rise again, and he will deliver us from evil. And hereby, in the face of Shrek and Donkey, his friend... His slave. Jesus Christ. No, what? What the... F- he wasn't a slave. Donkey know. chose... The scriptures say <laughs> that Donkey chose to follow Shrek and offer to bake waffles in the morning. You're right. This is the dumbest fucking bit we have ever done. And by we, I mean me. I was begrudgingly on board. Uh, no... We're not going to agree on Shrek. It's a shame what's happening to the Shrek franchise, however, uh, because I despise Despicable Me. All I have to say is, Founders Brewing Breakfast Stout got me from zero to drunk in two bottles, which are what? Is this 12 ounces? Yeah, 12 ounce bottles, 8 point. Jesus Like 8.5% ABV. That's fucking dangerous. You know how much I drank this weekend? They're also a bunch of coffee. That's weird. Yeah. So like, Founders Breakfast is my favorite because it's high ABV mixed with coffee. So Wednesday, uh-huh. I went to your apartment and we watched the Monster Squad and we drank a bunch of vodka. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a mistake. I worked the whole day hungover. Oh, oh, I was nauseous the entire day. Fall. It's been a long time since I worked hungover. Uh, Friday night, I went to a Halloween party. Got relatively trashed on beer. Uh-huh. What did I do Saturday night? I don't know. Did you get trashed on beer again? I feel like I did. Maybe. Uh, <gasps> yes! I did! I went, we went visit our friends downtown, mm-hmm. and I drank a bunch of wine, and then did it. a shot of rum, straight rum. That'll do it. What about Saturday and Sunday? Well, that was Saturday night. Sunday night was a oh. day of sobriety. Yeah. And then tonight, was... in two beers, you got me as drunk as I was on, on like, Saturday night. Founders breakfast, that'll do it. And I'm just kind of level. Uh, well, you're taller. Fucking giant. <laughs> yeah, that's why we gotta vote the talls into office. Uh, they say we vote straight ticket blue. I wanna vote straight ticket six foot plus. Oh, man. The talls will inherit the earth. This episode's gonna be real weird, man. It's, uh, except for the last part about Shrek. But I think now that we're talking about how weird the episode's gonna be, we should probably call it. I just wanna make one announcement. And I haven't run this by you, but the week of Thanksgiving, we're going to take off. 
Of the podcast? Yeah. Okay, I'll still be in town probably. I mean, you could do an episode. I'm sorry. I Hell no. Didn't mean to speak for you, but I'm going to be traveling. Yeah. We're we gonna- could Wait, we could technically record on Tuesday night. I, we could still have an episode. You would just have to agree to edit. We'll see how it shakes out. I yeah. could probably do that. Because uh, we got to do our thanks for giving. No, I forget what we call it. Don't talk about the podcast. Uh, we also, I won't be able to record probably in, in early January because I'm going to Disney World land. Disney World. Florida. That's the world one. I'm going to Disney World, so... We can still... Look, I'm gonna... I'm gonna record an episode from inside the Magic Kingdom. I will contact my friend at Rockstar and tell him how much I hate his game. That's the best thing you can do. Tell him why didn't you take a stand against Ted Cruz in Red Dead Redemption 2. He's just an animator, but I will totally run that by him. He could very clearly animate the characters saying, fuck Ted Cruz in American Sign Language, whenever they feed their horse an oatcake. Wait, you haven't been tracking Arthur Morgan's blinks? No, shit. Yeah, it's Morse code. I always... It's Arthur Morse code. We gotta wrap up, because I need to use the bathroom. I also need to use the bathroom. Procedural beards... This is the first video game, not for nothing, that I've tracked my character's progress in growing a mustache and been frustrated that other parts of his beard grow faster. Arthur Morgan is the everyman in that his mustache doesn't grow as fast as you'd like it to. And if you want to send us your procedural mustache problems... You can do the following. You can send us a tweet at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. That stands for... Why does our name start with Z? It's the hardest letter. And that's what it stands for. ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. The preferred platform of the leftists, unless you want to use Gab. Hey, come look at our arguments for Flat Earthers. Yeah, please look at our arguments for Flat Earthers. And you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. An email address that we will quickly discard if we ever become running for political office. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Zero Credits Podcasts on the Facebook search bar. We are on Spotify now, of all things. So if you want to, like, take your fucking Pitbull Rufus Wainwright playlist and just insert us at random points to just kind of mix up the monotony, I totally understand. And we are on Apple... Nope. Apple Podcasts? Yeah, Apple Podcasts. It's the same thing. Like, comment, subscribe, whatever you do on Apple Podcasts. Those comments and reviews are really the most important thing. And finally, the true most important thing is word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell your friends, tell your horse, tell your wife, and you could do worse than your wife. She's a looker and she can cook. Don't get rid of her, but if you do, don't. Which is to say, tell more people about our podcast because word of the mouth is... Word of mouth is good. There's really not word of anything else. Microsoft Word, if you will. WordPad. Henry, what are you looking up? Something in the episode with. And from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studios, we want to wish you a happy election results. Howdy, partner. Vote blue. Ride the wave. Legalize marijuana. It's me, Arthur Morgan. And on that note, just know that the entirety of the collection of the King of the Hill series, I did say heel, 
is on Hulu. And Bob Congress. Bobby? I mean, you can end it. <laughs> no, I, you're saying in the middle of a sentence. What if it's good? Oh, I 